Welcome to Puritans Read, reading aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 8 of The Letters of Samuel Rutherford. To Lady Kenmure, Aberdeen, 1637. Madam, notwithstanding the great haste of the bearer, I would bless your ladyship on paper, desiring that since Christ hath ever envied that the world should have your love by him, that you give yourself out for Christ and that you may be for no other. I know none worthy of you but Christ. Madam, I am either suffering for Christ, and this is either the sure and good way, or I have done with heaven and shall never see God's face, which, I bless him, cannot be. I write my blessing to that sweet child whom you have borrowed from God. He is no heritage to you, but alone. Love him as folks do borrowed things, My heart is heavy for you. They say the Kirk of Christ hath neither son nor heir, and therefore her enemies shall possess her. But I know she is not so ill-friended. Her husband is her heir, and she is heritage. If my Lord would be pleased, I would desire some were dealt with for my return to Anwath. But if that never be, thank God, Anwath is not heaven. Preaching is not Christ. I hope to wait on. Let me hear how the child is, and your ladyship's mind, and hopes of him, for it would ease my heart to know that he is well. I am in good terms with Christ, but, oh, my guiltiness, yet he bringeth not pleas betwixt him and me to the streets and before the sun. Grace Grace forevermore be with your ladyship. To David Dixon, Aberdeen, 7 March, 1637. Reverend and dearest brother, what joy have I out of heaven's gates but that my Lord Jesus be glorified in my bonds? Blessed be thou of the Lord who contribute anything to my obliged and indebted praises. Dear brother, help me, a poor divor, to pay the interest, for I cannot come nigh to render the principal. It is not jest or sport which maketh me to speak and write as I do. I never before came to that nick or pitch of communion with Christ that I have now attained to. For my confirmation, I have been these two Sabbaths or three in private, taking instruments in the name of God, that my Lord Jesus and I have kissed each other in Aberdeen, the house of my pilgrimage. I seek not an apple to play me with. He knoweth whom I serve in the spirit, but a seal. I but beg earnest and am content to suspend and frisk glory till supper time. I know that this world will not last with me, for my moonlight is noonday light, and my four hours above my feasts when I was a preacher, at which time also I was embraced very often 
in his arms. But who can blame Christ to take me on behind him, if I may say so, on his white horse or in his chariot, paved with love, through a water? Will not a father take his little dotted Davy in his arms and carry him over a ditch or a mire? My short legs could not step over this lair or sinking mire, and therefore my Lord Jesus will bear me through. If a change come, and a dark day, so being that he will keep my faith without flaw or crack, I dare not blame him, howbeit I get no more till I come to heaven. But you know that the physic behoved to have sugar. My faith was fallen a swoon, and Christ but held up a swooning man's head. Indeed, I pray not for a dotted child's diet. He knoweth that I would have Christ, sour or sweet, any way, so being it be Christ indeed. I stand not now upon pared apples or sugared dishes, but I cannot blame him to give, and I must gape and make a wide mouth. Since Christ will not pantry up joys, he must be welcome, who will not bide away. I seek no other fruit, that he may be glorified. He knoweth that I would take hard fare to have his name set on high. I bless you for your counsel. I hope to live by faith and swim without a mass or bundle of joyful sense under my chin, at least to venture, albeit I should be ducked. Now for my case, I think that the counsel should be essayed and the event referred to God. Duties are ours, and events are God's. I shall go through yours upon the covenant at leisure, and write to you my mind thereanent, and anent the Arminian contract betwixt the Father and the Son. I beseech you, set to, to go through Scripture. Yours on the Hebrews is in great request with all who would be acquainted with Christ's testament. I purpose, God willing, to set about Hosea and to try if I can get it to the press here. It refreshes me much that you are so kind to my brother. I hope your counsel will do him good. I recommend him to you since I am so far from him. I am glad that the dying servant of God, famous and faithful Mr. Cunningham, sealed your ministry before he fell asleep. Grace, grace be with you. To Alexander Henderson, Aberdeen, 9 March, 1637. My reverend and dear brother, I received your letters. They are as apples of gold to me, for with my sweet feasts, and they are above the deserving of such a sinner, high and out of measure, I have sadness to ballast me and weigh me a little. It is but his boundless wisdom which hath taken the tutoring of his witless child. And he knoweth that to be drunken with comforts is not safest for our stomachs. 
However it be, the din and noise and glooms of Christ's cross are weightier than itself. I protest to you, my witness in, is in heaven, that I could wish many pound weights added to my cross to know that by my sufferings, Christ were set forward in his kingly office in this land. Oh, what is my skin to his glory or my losses or my sad heart to the apple of the eye of our Lord and his beloved spouse, his precious truth, his royal privileges, the glory of manifested justice in giving his foes a dash, the testimony of his faithful servants who do glorify him when he rideth upon poor weak worms and triumpheth in them. I desire you to pray that I may come out of this furnace with honesty and that I may leave Christ's truth no worse than I found it and that this most honorable cause may neither be stained nor weakened. As for your cause, my reverend and dearest brother, you are the talk of the North and South, and look to so as if you were all crystal glass. Your motes and dust would soon be proclaimed and trumpets blown at your slips. But I know that ye have laid help upon one that is mighty. Entrust not your comforts to men's airy and frothy applause, neither lay your downcastings on the tongues of salt mockers and reproachers of godliness, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known. 2 Corinthians 6, 8-9 through 9. God hath called you to Christ's side, and the wind is now in Christ's face in this land. And seeing you are with him, you cannot expect the lee side or the sunny side of the bray. But I know that you have resolved to take Christ upon any terms whatsoever. I hope that you do not rue, though your cause be hated, and prejudices are taken up against it. The shields of the world think our master cumbersome wares, and that he maketh too great din, and that his cords and yokes make blains and deep scores in their neck. Therefore they kick, they say, this man shall not reign over us. Let us pray one for another. He who hath made you a chosen arrow in his quiver, hide you in the hollow of his hand. To John Gordon, younger, Aberdeen, undated, honored and dear brother, I wrote of late to you, Multitudes of letters burden me now. I am refreshed with your letter. I exhort you in the bowels of Christ, set to work for your soul, and let these bear weight with you and ponder them seriously. Number and one, weeping and gnashing of teeth in utter darkness or heaven's joy. Number two, think what you would give for an hour when you shall lie like dead, cold, blackened clay. Number three, there is sand in your glass yet and your sun is not gone down. Number four, 
Consider what joy and peace are in Christ's service. Number five, think what advantage it will be to have angels, the world, life and death, crosses, yea, and devils, all for you as the king's sergeants and servants to do your business. Number six, to have mercy on your seed and a blessing on your house. Number seven, to have true honor and a name on earth that casteth a sweet smell. Number eight, how ye will rejoice when Christ layeth down your head under his chin and betwixt his breasts and dryeth your face and welcometh you to glory and happiness. Number nine, imagine what pain and torture is a guilty conscience. What slavery to carry the devil's dishonest loads. Number ten, sin's joys are but night dreams, thoughts, vapors, imaginations, and shadows. Number eleven, what dignity it is to be a son of God. Number twelve, Dominion and mastery over temptations, over the world, and sin. Number 13, that your enemies should be the tail and you the head. For your children now at rest, I speak to you and your wife and cause her to read this. Number one, I am a witness for Barbara's glory in heaven. Number two, for the rest, I write it under my hand, there are days coming on Scotland when barren wombs and dry breasts and childless parents shall be pronounced blessed. They are then in the lee of the harbor ere the storm come on. Number three, they are not lost to you that are laid up in Christ's treasury in heaven. Number four, at the resurrection, you shall meet with them. Thither they are sent before, but not sent away. Number five, your Lord loveth you, who is homely to take and give, borrow and lend. Number six, let not your children be your idols, for God will be jealous and take away the idol, because he is greedy of your love holy. I bless you, your wife and children. Grace forevermore be with you, your loving pastor, S.R. That was episode eight of The Letters of Samuel Rutherford.